Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. see the word mock in the Bible, you know God is gracious. <laughs> Who on earth would call their child mock? I have no idea. When I think of mock, I think mock of the beast and mock of the, <laughs> I think of birth mock and <laughs> low water mock and also, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, why on earth would you call your child mock? What's that mock? Like, like pork, you're like pork, like more. <laughs> yeah, don't miss the mark. Actually, the very word for sin in the Bible is missing the mark. <laughs> yeah, that's a true story, eh? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, we could teach on the book of Matthew, but it wouldn't be applicable in this context. So we're going to teach on the book of Mark. Don't tell me what I've got and haven't got, buddy. <laughs> Don't get in this. Yeah, my dad said, when a man with money meets a man with experience. You know what happens? Yeah. The man with the money gets the experience, and the man with the experience gets the money. So if I was you, I'd keep quiet, brother. I've been doing this longer than you. <laughs> so anyway. Mark, say Mark. So if you just read that, Father, I pray. Turn serious. I pray, mighty God, that your word is alive, your word is active. There's not one, the Bible says in the King James Version, there's not one jot or tittle that was written in this Bible that is not helpful for us. That means, Lord, even when you read the heading of a book, Mark, that's helpful for us. There's not one phrase, there's not one full stop, there's not one comma in this Bible that's not helpful for us. So I pray, mighty God, today that you will use this story to touch your people. I pray you would set people free. I pray for a recommissioning over people who have messed up their lives. I pray people have made really dumb decisions. Lord God, today would read the book of Mark and think, we serve a mighty God. Thank you, Lord God, for a second chance and a third chance. And if we're humble enough, a fourth and a fifth and a sixth chance. Thank you for your gospel, Lord. Blessed, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we even read the book of Mark, turn me to Acts chapter 15, please, and 2 Timothy chapter 4. Acts 15 and 2 Timothy chapter 4. Acts 15 says this, Sometime later Paul said to Barnabas, Gabe, you're going to stop talking so I can concentrate. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take with them John, also called Mark. Say Mark. Wanted to take Mark with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them. I use the NIV Bible. Say deserted. What word do we get from the word deserted? 
Saith? Desert. He had deserted them. Get the word desert from it. ESV is different. The NIV is amazing in this. Because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. So he bombed out. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. 2 Timothy chapter 4, please, and verse 11. Let's go verse 9. Do your best to come to me quickly for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. They deserted. Deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark. Say Mark. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. All written about the same man. One guy stopped in the work. He deserted Paul and Barnabas. He, he became a naff. He didn't finish the job. He actually lost faith. He didn't actually push through. He probably stopped tithing. He didn't go to the call conference. He actually didn't actually come to church on Sundays. He backed down and he caused a disagreement in an apostolic team that caused a major split in the church. But one man believed in him, a man called Barnabas. Yeah. Believed in him. And at the end of Timothy, Paul's writing, he said, send Mark to me because he's helpful to me in my ministry. This is the guy who wrote the Bible. Never, ever write anybody off in God. Never. Never write anybody off in God. We had a man called Nicholas Graham. He came into our church. He was a drug addict. He got saved. He got wonderfully saved. And then he backslid. And for years he disappeared. And eventually God re uh, uh, arrested him. He came back to church. He spent a few weeks in the church. He walked to me one day. He said, you know, Rory, it's easier to come back to God than it is to come back to Glenridge Church. And that day I got on my knees and I said, we're going to build a church where it's easy for people who have messed up their lives to come back and get given a second opportunity. And every time you open up the Bible to the book of Mark, remember that one man called Barnabas believed in this guy. And your job and my job is to believe in people who have failed in their lives so they get given a second opportunity to count for God. Yeah. We never write people off. Never write people off. We always keep applying the grace of God. We keep forgiving. We keep trusting. We keep giving you opportunities. There is no place in the Bible where God actually says, that's it, over people who are humble and repentant. Amen? The second thing it says, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Hey, the Son of God. Let me move this because if I move backwards, I'm going to fall. So the book of Matthew goes all the way back to Abraham. The book of Luke goes all the way back to Adam. The book of John goes all the way back to creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was of God, and the Word was God. The book of Mark goes straight to Jesus. And so I think this is the book that we should be reading in our nation at this time. Because there's so much genealogy, there's apartheid, there's history, there's disappointment, there's failings, there's riots, there's all sorts of stuff in the past. To become a healer to this nation, we've got to start with Christ. There is so much rubbish in our past. 
And I want to say to you today, if you've got a rubbish past, I'm telling you, as Gabe stood up and said, today is a new creation, the oldest past, the new has come, start your story with Jesus. And I'm so worried about testimonies in people's lives. So much of them have got to do with the past instead of the future. My testimony starts the day that I met Christ. And from that day, he took me, a broken man, he put me back together, he gave me a platform, and he told me to preach, not about myself, about Christ. And so I want to say this to you, friends, the book of Mark is simply this, cut the cackle and get to Christ. And when I counsel people so much about the past, just start with Jesus, and we'll see healing start to break out in our lives. Amen? Then we have this incredible thing. It is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to meet him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. Keep your finger there and turn to Mark chapter 6, please. In verse 2, or verse 1. Jesus left there, went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? Wasn't this wisdom that has been given to him? What's this wisdom that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. So he calls the boys by name. He doesn't call the girls by name. He calls them a son of a bastard. Or excuse my French, a son of a bitch. Because that's what it meant to call a man son of Mary. You never ever called a man by his mother's name. You always called him by his father's name. And when you called a child by his mother's name, it means he didn't have a father, which means he was illegitimate, which means he was a bastard. So what the Bible says, they called him son of Mary, son of a bastard, and the next verse says, and they took offense at him. Imagine me calling you son of a bastard, and then I get offended. So Mark chapter 1, he's called the son of? Say it. Say it. Son of God. In Mark chapter 6, he's called the son of Mary. You see, friends, you and I in the church, I believe Mark is a gift to South Africa at this time. I prophetically feel it's a gift to South Africa at this time to preach. From the beginning, in the garden, God gives us the power to name things. He says, call the hippo, hippo, call the camel, camel. But you meant to go and you meant to name things. You give something a name. You look at it. You see what its destination is. You see what its DNA is. And you give it a name. That is what God calls us to do. What the devil does is he swaps that around and he gets us to label people. And so instead of naming people, we label people. Son of Mary. Son of a gun. Son of a bastard. 
deserter, divorcee. We start to name people and label people, and labeling has got absolutely no power over a person's life. And the moment you buy a piece of clothing that's got a label on, the first thing you do is you cut the label off and you wear the clothes, otherwise it becomes uncomfortable. But what the devil gets right is he gets us to keep the labels on our names. And so when we walk around, we walk with this label all the time, it's uncomfortable thinking, I'm a divorcee, I'm a divorcee, I don't know how to cope with this, I'm a divorcee, I'm a drug addict, I used to be a prost. And it's like, and, and you, you can't get rid of this label. Friends, God never labeled us, He named us. He named us. And I want to tell you what I believe one of the greatest lacking things in this world is and in the church today. The Bible says, as he came out of the water. Say, as he came out of the water. You see, friends, that is a picture of birth. If, if, you, if you're a father and, and you've had a pregnant wife, everything seems to go all right. And then there's a moment where everything changes. And will you recognize that moment? You will recognize that moment when your wife phones and she shouts, the waters have broken. It's like everything changes. And in those few words, he's saying, give up your friends, your golf, your job, your life, your career. Give up, give up your priorities, your mother. Give up your car. Give up everything. You better get there quickly because you did this to me and now you have to help this through. <laughs> the waters have broken. And it normally goes something like this. Quietly, you get the phone call, ring, ring, my wife. Blah, blah. My waters have broken. They become unreasonable. They become erratic. But, but it's, it's a big moment. And if it's a natural birth, if it's a natural birth, the head comes out first. So when the Bible says the water's broken as Jesus' head came out, you know the first thing that Jesus did is he received a blessing from heaven. And because he received a blessing from heaven, he never ever received the label that earth put upon him. So he believed he was the son of God. So when the people said you're the son of Mary, he said that's not going to offend me. You might get offended, but I'm not going to get offended. And so what happens, you've got people offended because of the labels that the world have put on them because they actually don't believe the name that God has put upon them. Isn't that beautiful? And so I did a study on blessing. And this is, this is how blessing goes. The first, there are four parts of blessing, they say. The first part of blessing is the ability to be seen. You know, you know, we live in a world that's busy. And I, and I failed many times. Even in these two days, I've had to do some work with God. We've had to let the Redeemer come. Because I said I would see somebody and I didn't. I saw past them. But to see someone is to bless them. You know what Ruth says? She says, how come you took notice of me, a foreigner? See, what the world does, it always looks at important people and looks... Uh, 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 get the best from you. So you see past all these people and you see them. And so what we do is we create absolute carnage to everybody that we've walked past. This is what I believe the church should do. We should put our hands over our eyes and say, God, bless my eyes so that I may see who I'm meant to see, Lord God. So that I can bring a blessing to people who have been labeled with all sorts of things. You see, the world sees a prostitute. The world sees a divorcee. But God sees an opportunity to redeem. He did it with Mark, the author of this book. And he does it all the way through this book. Beautiful, eh? I got an SMS today from a man. A man called Daryl. 
We went on a golf trip in, because I've been asking God to open my eyes. Went on a golf trip in December. We stopped at a little petrol station near the road, side of the road, the dam there feeding fish. Just drawn a bit of money. This guy was feeding fish with his son. And he said, I see you guys are going to golf trip. I said, yeah. He said, don't get boozed up too much, eh? I said, okay. <laughs> what does too much mean? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I said, no, my dad had enough alcohol for both of us. But I'm really a drinker. So I said, but you know what, actually, I'm a pastor. And, and, and he said, I'm also a pastor. And at that moment, God opened my eyes. It's like, poof. I said, but you're a hurt pastor, aren't you? And he started to cry. He said, how do you know? I said, I don't know. But I can see. I can see. I took the money out of my wallet. I said, yeah. Because one of the things, God's made all of us different. He's linked my heart and my, wallet, my eyes and my wallet. He's linked them. He has. He has. But you've got to ask yourself, what has God done for you? You know my friend Clint? Clint Clint's got a set of eyes on a different set. We, we went and preached at a church. The, the doctor had back problems. I mean, the, the pastor had back problems. And Clint met a doctor. He saw a doctor who knows how to do good operations. And while I'm busy preaching, I see Clint's busy SMSing. This guy needs to go to America because the only guy who can do back surgery is in America and one other guy in South Africa who Clint met the week before. And, and so he's SMSing. And by the end of the meeting, I think, hey, Clint, did you take notes? He said, no, but I got an appointment for the pastor to see the doctor tomorrow. And he saw the doctor and the next day had an operation and he's meant to be in hospital for eight, days, uh, eight weeks but because the guy's so good two days later he got out of hospital and six weeks later he runs eight k's because he's got eyes to see. Son of God, son of Mary. Yeah? And I was playing golf with a friend of mine called Eros who can see better than I can see. And so he just got about, he went and drew 6,000 rand and he walked across to this pastor and gave him 6,000 rand. He said, you know, he said, he said, I'm finished. He said, I'm burnt out. I don't know where to go. I've got no money. I got in my car today. I said to my family, we're going on holiday. And his wife said, who's going to pay? He said, I don't know, but I can't do this anymore. I've just got to get out of town. And so he got out of town. And the Father in heaven, who's busy putting Mark together and you together and me together, he puts a whole lot of situations together. And he says, I need people whose eyes are open because I've got a son who's in deep trouble. Yeah? And so, and so we, we phoned around and we've raised the salary and we've got him out of ministry and he's getting healed. And today he stopped at my business because I gave him lunch for free. And he phoned me and said, Hey, Raw, I'm at your business. I just want to say, I just, the service was great because we're sending him on a church planners course to get restored, recovered. And like Mark, he's going to get reintroduced to do what God's called him to do. But we need people's eyes to see. I'm, I'm not boasting, friends. I'm not boasting. I'm just telling you, I lived under the blessing of a dad who saw me. And because of that, my eyes opened. And I've, I've, disappoint, I've, I've disappointed people in this room today. But I'm saying, God, give me another chance. Give me another chance. Open my eyes to see. Because there are too many labels. And I want to take labels off people. I want to put names on people. How's God opened your eyes? How's God opened your eyes to see? Now, you see, friends, we start with this by saying, lift up your eyes. Because when you're looking down at the ground, you can't bless the city that God has called you to bless. Amen? The second thing around blessing that they talk about, they say a blessing or a curse comes in your high, chi, high chair when you get born 
They say what happens is you get put in a high test, typical South African contest, you get fed food, and when you get fed food, your energy levels obviously arise, and then you start to be creative, and you start to throw food around, so that at that time, parents either bless or curse you. And they curse you because of your behavior, because they think you're naughty, instead of understanding that they've given you food, they have, they've taken the resource, their work, their energy, they've fed you, and you've turned that energy into creativity, and at that point, you either bless or curse a child. And most children live under the curse of their parents who wanted them to behave in a certain way. Instead of bless the creativity that releases them to an explosive rainbow type of creativity that starts to bless the earth. And so we live under unbelievably tight circumstances because I believe we've lived under very restricting words. And the moment that Jesus' waters broke and his head appeared, there was a booming voice from heaven that said, This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. And the men of the day said, son of Mary. And he said, you're not going to put that on me. I'll take the stripes. Amen. The third thing, friends, is our words. And if you turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 40, because that's the text that we read in Mark chapter 1. You see Mark 1, it starts with a quote from Isaiah you read in Isaiah 40. Whenever you see a quote in the New Testament from the Old Testament, you mustn't just read the two verses, you must read the whole text to understand the story. So he's quoting Isaiah 40, and this is what the book of Mark is about. This is how Isaiah 40 starts. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Say comfort. Comfort. When he says it twice, it means he's emphasizing it. Say comfort. 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 He might as well be saying comfort, 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 comfort my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. One of the greatest ways that we bless our city and our nation at this time, watch out you Zuma criticizers. Watch out. Because you're speaking a curse over our nation. The Bible says pray for your leader. Don't criticize him. Yes, he's at fault. But the Bible says pray for your leader. And I want to tell you one of the greatest ways that we bless or curse people with the power of our lips. And when God says speak, he says comfort, comfort my people. Speak tenderly. Say tenderly. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. My number one fault as a church leader. I've been leading a church for 25 years. My one number one fault, at times I've spoken too harshly to people. And I wish I could pull those words back. Because I believe when God deals with people, He deals with people tenderly. And His words are gracious and kind. You know what it says in the book of Ruth? When, when, when Boaz speaks to Ruth, he says, Do not rebuke her. Do not embarrass her. Speak kindly to her. I know some of you know the story, but there's some new people here. I was doing a study on the book of Ruth. I preached in Cape Town. I flew to Joburg. I preached in Joburg. I got on the airplane. I had to fly down to Durban. I had to preach in Durban. And I got on the airplane. I was tired. I was busy. I'd done weddings. I'd preached at different places. I got on the airplane, and a young American girl who was flying for me came and sat down next to me. And as she sat down next to me, I started to weep. I'm a weirdo. (laughs) 
I can still feel the pain that I felt in that aeroplane. It's got a two-way. She turned to me and said, oh, you're right. I said, I'm fine. Are you right? It's like weirdo. And then I read the book of Ruth and it says, don't embarrass her. Don't rebuke her. Speak kindly to her. And I turned to her and I said, your boyfriend's abused you, hasn't he? And her eyes filled up with tears. She said, how do you know that? I said, I don't know. But I said, he's verbally abused you, hasn't he? She said, how do you know that? I said, I don't know. But the Bible says Jesus will never abuse you verbally. You see, Jesus lived under the blessing of his father's voice on the day that the waters broke. That means he never responded to criticism. He never, respond, he never threw back what was thrown at him. It says when he was accused, the Bible says he remained silent. How many of you remain silent when you're accused? I'll tell you one of the reasons that you can is when you realize that you're blessed from heaven and you're not determined by the labors of this earth. Otherwise, we stone for stone. I throw a stone, you throw a bigger one, I throw a bigger one, you throw a bigger one. And a curse gets pushed over the earth. Huh? That lady's name was Alexi. Alexi. American girl. Didn't know Jesus. But about six or eight weeks later, I was preaching on the Durban station. And I gave an altar call. I saw that American girl walk down the aisle and give her life to Jesus. Because she realized that there's a man that would never abuse her verbally. And his name is Jesus. Amen? So let me ask you this. Son of God? Son of Mary. Son of God? Son of Mary. Son of God? Son of Mary. Which one are you? Fourth area. Oh, let's, re let's read Isaiah 40 a bit. So you're going to read the whole of Isaiah 40. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain will be made low. So friends, at this time, God is calling the church to be civil engineers. To bring every mountain down and lift every valley up high. Because there's a whole lot of people in this city that don't know Jesus, and they will never know Jesus unless you lower some mountains and lift some valleys. And there's every opportunity. I stayed in Mossel Bay last week. I've got a Protea Hotel that belongs to my dad, and so I get six free nights at Protea Hotels in South Africa every year. Any Protea Hotel, I can go and get six. And there's a Protea Hotel in Mossel Bay, and there's a Protea Hotel in George. And I said to the phone and say, I'm staying in Mossel Bay at the hotel. Can I have a free night? And they'll say, yes. And I'll tell you as much as I know by the Spirit of God, I felt God say, don't stay at the Protea Hotel. And I'm not on Airbnb, so I'm registered for Airbnb. I'm an insomniac, so at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm registering for Airbnb. And I go, Airbnb in Mossel Bay, 127. But I'm an engineer. I'm a civil engineer under the book of Mark, which prophesies from the book of Isaiah, and the book of Isaiah says that I'm going to build roads so that people can meet with Jesus. So I sit there and I pray. Isaiah chapter 40, mountains must come down, valleys must come up high, Airbnb, not this one, not that one, what about this one, what about that one, not that one, this one. At half past three in the morning, I book Airbnb, boom, and I arrive there. 
and there's a girl who used to be married to a pastor, and he went nuts, and she's got a little child, and now she's living with a boyfriend who's much older with her, and she's lost her faith in God, and we get talking, and, and I've got some money in my wallet. <laughs> so I give it to her, I say, you know what? God the Father in heaven wants to bless you. She says, why? I said, I don't know. They go out for dinner. I go to a separate place. Morning, I get a knock on my door. Do you want to come and have coffee with us? I said, where? I said, in town. We're going to have coffee in town. So we go to town. We're sitting in town. And she asked this question. She said, why did you stay at our B&B? I said, how amazing that you asked. <laughs> I said, I'm a civil engineer. I build roads between people who are far from God and people who want to meet God. And I've come to knock the mountains down and lift the valleys up high so you can meet with Jesus. So we're sitting in a coffee shop. In Muscle Bay. And I walked around his house. He was businessman of the year. He played South African squash. And I started to prophesy over him about the life of God and the grace of God and intervention of God. And now he's sitting at a coffee shop and he's just weeping because Jesus is there. The book of Mark, Mark, is a book about people who get second opportunities and then he prophesies to those people. He says, I've called you to speak tenderly to people. I've called you to build roads. And the next verse says in Isaiah 40, here is your God to present God to a people that are desperately broken. The book of Mark. And now my glasses are broken. <laughs> Who broke my glasses? Let's go back to Mark. Jesus, heal my eyes so that I may see. What's the time? We're going to stop. Ten minutes. Five minutes. I haven't even started. The fourth area, friends, of blessing is when we make our resources available for other people's well-being. Number one, blessing. As the waters broke, his head came out of the water. There was a voice from heaven that saw him spoke to him, that blessed him, and made all the resources of heaven available to him. One of the ways we bless people is when we take our resources and make it available for them so that they will do well. Amen? My wife was murdered. My wife's dad was murdered. There's a 15-year-old girl crying in the school. My sister sees her, and she phones my dad, who's a blesser. She says, Dad, there's this girl called Melanie whose dad was murdered. And so my dad just phones her mom and says, Hi, Pam, my name's Ian Dyer. Will you come and watch rugby with your daughter and your son? You come watch me watch play, my son play rugby. And so this family arrived, recently murdered dad, a mom who's completely disorientated, a little 15-year-old girl who's unbelievably vulnerable. And my dad, drinking dad, made all his resources available for that family to become blessed. He taught that girl how to drive. He bought her her first car. She became my wife. Because of a man who used all his resources to bless a family whose dad was no longer there. Yeah? I remember being in the back of a church. And I worship God. My wife, who was then my girlfriend, would hit me and say, you can't lift your hands to this God. He took my dad away. We had a 10-day water fast. 10-day water fast. Everybody told us we were mad. 
but our church leader got up and he said, God has told us he's going to break things and set things free and he's going to recommission people's lives. And my girlfriend prayed. She said, God, if you want to be my father, then I must be called by name by that man. He called us fast and he must tell me that you want to be my dad. And about the seventh or eighth night of the fast, a thousand people in the auditorium, he stood up and he said, is there a girl here called Melanie Yawn? She was standing second row from the back. Yeah. I said, let me come to the front. Walked to the front. He called his wife. He said, you got a word for this girl? She says, the Father in heaven says today he wants to become your father. Power of God hit us. Six weeks ago, I did a funeral of a man who used to be part of a very elite police force. Police force that killed a lot of ANC activists. A lot of white people killing black people. And one of their members was murdered on a farm by a black person. And now I'm doing the funeral. So they all arrive in their uniforms into our church, six or seven hundred of them. And they're angry because one of their members has been killed by a black man. But they forget that 20 years ago they were just killing black people randomly. And so there's anger in the room. And I got up and I said, well, we've got two choices. Because the Bible says we'll live for 70 years or 80 years. I want to tell you about my wife whose dad was killed 38 years before God said he should have died. And I want to tell you about my wife who stood in the back of a church and said, God, either you can redeem me and become my father, or I can become bitter and release hatred throughout the earth. So I said, some of you are making a decision now. Either you're going to release hatred and you're going to keep hating black people, or you're going to ask God to come and touch you and to heal you, to set you free. I'll ask you this question. Are you releasing blessing? Or are you releasing curse over this nation? Are you a son of God? Or are you a son of Mary? Because when a person walks up to you and says, divorcee, you can be offended by that. Or you can respond in such a way that I will become offended by it. That's what happened. Jesus said, yes, Mary is my mum. But the label on my life is son of God. Heavenly Father, I pray. We haven't got very far. Heavenly Father, I pray. As the waters broke, as the waters broke, and the head of Christ came out the water, there was a voice from heaven that said, this is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. Lord, when I look around this auditorium, my heart breaks. At how many people, when the waters broke, the dad wasn't even there. When they sat in the high chair or exercised the creativity of an ADD child, they lived under the curse and the restriction of obedient parents. I pray, mighty God, today that supernaturally with the scissors of heaven, you'll cut off every label of these people's lives. Ma'am, you've been labeled. I saw you last night sitting about the same place. You're a beautiful, wonderful, amazing lady. You have got life and energy inside of you. Very seldom that you are like a spring of life that needs to burst forth and give expression. And you've been labeled and you've been restricted and you've been killed with the words of people. You've been killed with the words of people, crushed you and broken you. I want to tell you, ma'am, there's a voice from heaven. There's a voice from heaven 
and she has a small daughter to my left. She says, you go. She says, you go. She is well pleased. I'll take every son of Mary label of every girl and boy here today. Every son of Mary label, come off you. Come off you. I pray where you've got offended by other people's words, it comes off you. Say this to me, as the waters broke and my head appeared, there's a voice that blesses me, that sees me, that celebrates me, that speaks words of life over me and makes the resources of heaven available to me. I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel. I'm talking about a gospel that says you're blessed, not cursed. Mark, the man with the second chance, wrote a book about giving other people.